Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you glad to be here this morning? Yes, God has already done a work in this place. This morning I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 21. James 1, 21. While you're looking that up here, I just need to uh, say a few things very quickly. First of all, uh, it's a little different. Each week I get to sing the gospel with you from behind a guitar, but this morning I get to preach the word of God to you, and it is such a blessing and a privilege to be able to preach the word of God to you. Some of you may know this, many of you probably don't, but I was actually called to ministry in this church when I was 13 years old over here at the hangar, and so it is such a blessing and a privilege to be able to preach to you this morning. I don't take that lightly. Of all the many, many capable people on staff that we have, that pastor would ask me, is, uh, is an honor and a privilege, so... I'm excited to preach the word. James 1, 21 says this, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he's looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Father God, we just pray right now, Lord, that you would use your word to convict, to draw us closer to yourself. Father, I pray you would speak clearly through me that this would be your words and not my own. And God, my heart's desire in this place is that someone, Lord, would walk out of this place a little more in love with Jesus. God, maybe that's me this morning. Lord, may I walk out of here a little more in love with you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, when I first got married 10 years ago, uh, I discovered something about my new wife, um, my only wife, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Discovered something about my only wife, my one and only, right here on the front row. I discovered uh, that she loves roller coasters. Now, I didn't know this before, uh, before we got married, or that might have changed things a little bit. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But I am terrified of roller coasters. I was, that part of my life, I was terrified of roller coasters. You know, I, I, I didn't want to, uh, to ride them at all. I felt like that was where people actually go to die. Was, uh, was roller coasters. But to prove my everlasting love for my bride, I decided, I don't know why I did this, but I decided for us to get season passes to Six Flags over Atlanta. Whew, boy, that was not a good idea. <laughs> I remember the first day we went, we were walking up to the gate, my hands were sweating, my feet were sweating. I didn't know what I was getting into, but I remember looking at Mary Beth and saying with all sincerity of heart, hey, babe, we, uh, we really need to take a picture together right now because <laughs> this is probably the last time we're ever going to be seen together alive. <laughs> I was terrified. The first roller coaster I, ro uh, I rode was uh, called The Scorcher. <laughs> Very appropriately named The Scorcher. I remember it was one of those stand-in ones, so you just you stood there, and this 12-year-old kid came over and was like, hey, you ready to ride at Six Flags? And I was like, yeah, but you're not making me feel very secure because you're 12. <laughs> he pushed this thing down on my chest, 
as hard as he could, and I could still feel it rattle, and I was like, this does not make me feel very secure either. And we pushed it down a little bit more. He pushed it down to where I couldn't breathe, which scared me even more. That same 12-year-old walked over to his post and said, more flags, more fun, six flags. Pushed the button, and with that, we started to move. Before long, I heard the death cry of the machine that I was sitting underneath, and it went something like this. Maybe you're familiar. It went uh, click, 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 click. My heart stopped. I'm telling you right now, it stopped. As we ascended, we got to the very top. Right before we went down, I looked at Mary Beth, and I said, Babe, we are legit going to die right now, aren't we? (laughs) She said, Cool it, Tim. It's okay. Now you're freaking me out a little bit. I took a big, deep breath in, and we went down. And in that moment, I discovered two things. One, that I would put my scream up against any five-year-old girl in the entire world. And number two, I discovered that I love roller coasters. I was so afraid that I had never even gotten onto a roller coaster before because I thought that's where people go to die, that I had never ridden on a roller coaster. But I discovered that I love roller coasters. Pretty sure I wore Mary Beth out because from then on, man, I was like ride after ride after ride after ride. By the end of the day, they were like, uh, Mr. Johnson, you've got to leave the facilities. Park's been closed for two hours. (laughs) (laughs) We got home absolutely exhausted after a long day of riding roller coasters. And I have to tell this story from from Mary Beth's perspective because I honestly don't remember it. We fell asleep immediately. Mary Beth says that uh, about three or four in the morning, she heard this thump. She looked over at me. I wasn't there, so she was thinking, oh, my goodness, well, maybe he's downstairs fighting off a robber or, you know, whatever. She looked back over at me, and, and she says that she saw this, this figure, this figure just peel up over the bed. <laughs> then an arm came. <laughs> then another arm came. It was me. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> I crawled into bed, I looked Mary Beth square in the eyes, and I said, wow, that should have been a ride at Six Flags. (laughs) I was committed. I was 100% all in, even though I wasn't big on roller coasters. Once my eyes were opened up to the gloriousness of a thrill ride, I was all in. I was so committed that even in my sleep, that's what permeated my heart and my mind was the ride at Six Flags. The title of the message this morning is From Casual to Committed. From Casual to Committed. Committed can be determined and defined as wholeheartedly dedicated, 100%, all in. Not cold or lukewarm, but a blazing fire. This is what God wants from his people A blazing flame. The Pew Research Center in their religious landscape study found that nearly three out of four people claim to be Christians in the United States. Three out of four people. Think about that for just a second. That means that three out of four people in your neighborhood claim to be Christians. Three out of four people in your community, at your workplace, students, three out of four people on your volleyball team or your baseball team claim to be Christians. And I think that if we take a realistic step back this morning, 
I think we would all agree that three out of four people, you and I know, don't look and act and talk like Jesus. Three out of four people that we know don't demonstrate what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. You see, there are a lot of casual Christians out there. A lot of people who say that they're Christians, but man, they're not all in. They're not committed. They're not passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And that's what our God wants. We just sang about it. He wants a heart abandoned. He wants a heart that's completely his, a heart that doesn't settle for the things of this world. So this morning, I want us to take a look at a few steps that we can take to becoming a more dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. I want us to take a look at three things that passionate, committed followers of Jesus Christ do that casual Christians don't do. You with me? You with me? The first thing a committed Christian does is seek him. They seek the face of God. Verse 21 here in the James text says that we put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. Part of seeking the face of God is turning from sin. But how difficult is that for us to do in this society that we live in, right? How difficult is that? Man, we've got people from every direction, TV, movies, everything, man, just calling our name, asking for us to live like the world. The world says, follow your heart. I hate to break it to you, but the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can understand it? Who can know it? Students, look at me this morning. If somebody comes to you and says, follow your heart, do me a favor. Just look them square in the eyes and say, man, you don't want me following my heart. (laughs) My heart's deceitfully wicked. That will shut them up very quickly. (laughs) My heart's deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Who can understand it? We turn from sin. But do you want to know what I found? We turn from sin not by focusing on what not to do. We turn from sin by running to Jesus. We turn from sin by running from sin and running to Jesus. So a passionate follower of Jesus Christ seeks him by turning from sin. We also seek him through the reading of his word. Verse 21 says this. It says, In humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. Do you know that the word of God is able to save your souls this morning? That's a big deal. That's a big deal. The word of God is able to save your souls. 1 Peter 2.2 says this. It says, like newborn babes, we're to long for the pure milk of the word so that we may grow in respect to our salvation. At the beginning of this year, pastor encouraged each and every one of us to read through the New Testament this year. And I hope you're doing that. I hope, I hope that you're getting into the word. And I hope that you're also getting the word into you, memorizing scripture, getting the word into you. The Bible says, In Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to the word of God? 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. He spoke it into existence. The word of God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. Ephesians tells us that the word of God is is our sword, man. That's how we fight against the enemy. But the truth is we're a busy people, right? We're busy people. And I, I don't think that I speak for myself alone in saying that we're probably too busy. 
we're too busy. And as believers, sometimes we get this mindset that, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've given our lives to Christ. We've sought the Lord. We found the Lord. And now we can just live the way we want to live. Not necessarily doing bad things, but just not going hard after God. The theologian A.W. Tozer said this. He says, The church has been snared in the coils of a false logic, which insists that once we have found God, we no longer need to seek him. But the truth is that this is our number one priority in all of life, right? To seek God and to seek his kingdom. The problem is, with us as believers, many times we take that verse, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We switch around a little bit. We say, my kingdom come, my will be done. Start focusing on ourself. It's so important for us to get into the word of God. That's what committed followers of Jesus Christ do. When I was a kid, uh, my mom and dad used to always say, Tim, you need, to eat, you need to eat your food so you can grow up to be big and strong. Now, that never, uh, that never helped me eat the, the broccoli. I still don't eat broccoli today. Um, <laughs> but those words did stick with me. In order to grow, we've got to eat. And I like to eat. Amen? Can I get an amen? I like to eat. Sometimes I eat a little too much. But the food that God has given to us has been given to us by God in order for us to grow. It serves a purpose. Not only does it taste good, but it's necessary for life. Right? What happens if we don't eat? You die. You might faint first and then die. <laughs> we die. It's that important. If not that, you're going to become extremely malnourished if you're not in the Word of God on a daily basis. You know, we wouldn't expect anyone who lives uh, without eating or who eats once a week to live a healthy physical life, would we? If you ate once a week, we wouldn't expect you to live a healthy physical life. But for some reason, as believers, to our detriment, we believe somehow that we can live healthy spiritual lives by only eating once or twice a week when someone else is feeding us. But the truth is, guys, there is a spiritual feast waiting for us every morning we wake up. Bacon's been cooked. <laughs> the eggs are coming off the griddle. And this spiritual feast is the word of God. The word of God inspires us. It sustains us. It replenishes us, convicts us, and it satisfies my prayer is that we're feasting on the word of God so that we're growing in our walk with the Lord. We seek his face by reading his word, but also through prayer. Through prayer. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of prayer that you pray at the food court when uh, you're, you're sitting down and you're praying over the chicken sandwich, asking God to bless it, because let's just face it, it's Chick-fil-A, it's already blessed. Amen? That's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about. I'm talking about the gut-wrenching, on-your-face-before-God, earth-shaking, heaven-shaking prayer, begging God to move in your life. In desperation, that kind of prayer. But that kind of prayer isn't natural for us, is it? That's why the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. It's not natural for us to pray in that way. But the truth is, we all pray, right? You've heard the expression, there are no atheists in foxholes. 
Everybody prays, but we just don't pray the way we should pray. Many times we just ask the Lord for things we want instead of seeking the face of God. Oswald Chambers said this, he said, We look upon prayer simply as a means of getting things for ourselves. But the biblical purpose of prayer is that we may get to know God himself. That's why we pray. We pray to get to know God himself. Prayer is our lifeline. Christian, if you're not praying, you're not seeking the Lord, you're missing out. Not only seek his face by turning from sin through reading the word, through prayer, but also through community. Through community. Hebrews 10, 25 says this, tells us not to forsake assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We all have bucket lists, right? Who in here has a bucket list? Oh, man. You people need to dream more. (laughs) You need to dream. A bucket list. You know, the thing you have on a list that you want to do before you die. Mine was not riding a roller coaster. Um, One of the things on my bucket list is visiting the redwood trees in California. Have any of y'all ever visited the redwood trees? Anyone? Oh, very nice. Very nice. These enormous trees, massive trees. Ten of us couldn't wrap our arms around it. They say that these trees can grow up to be 350 feet high. Think about that. 350 feet high, lived to be 2,000 years old. There are some pictures where they've carved out the center of this tree and a car is driving through it. Just massive, enormous. You would think that these, these trees would have this deep, deep root system. that would go deep into the earth, but the truth is, they actually have a very shallow root system. But they go wide, goes out like 100 feet And what happens with those roots is they go out 100 feet as they start to intertwine and intertangle with the other trees in the forest. That's why you never see a redwood tree growing by itself. They grow in clusters because they rely on each other. And just like those trees rely on each other, you and I rely on each other for nourishment, for our spiritual growth. It's necessary for our spiritual growth. If we're going to be committed followers of Jesus Christ, we've got to be involved in community. Guys, if you're not in a small group this morning, I want to encourage you, get plugged in. Get plugged into a small group. That's where it makes the big church a little church. You get to do life with people. When you're going through a struggle, you can say, hey guys, I'm going through a struggle. They can pick you up. And then when they're going through a struggle, they can say, hey, come on. You can say, come on, I'm going to pick you up. I want you to know that this morning it's important that you're here. It's important that you're here. Because when I look out here and I see you guys worshiping the Lord every week when I get up here with a guitar and sing, you encourage me to go hard after Jesus. And I hope that in some small way I can encourage you to go hard after Jesus. That's what community is all about. But if you're just coming in here for Sunday mornings and then sneaking out, Man, you're missing, you're missing so much of what this church has to offer and what the Lord has to offer through community. It's so important that you're here because we encourage one another. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the book Engaging with God, wrote this. He said, there can be no maturity in spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus 
no wholeness in the Christian life apart from an immersion in an embrace of community. I am not myself by myself. I'm not myself by myself. We move from being a casual Christian to a committed Christian by seeking him, but also by serving him. It says in verse 22 of James 1, But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. We serve him with our actions. We serve him with our actions. That means we put into practice the things that we hear each week. Guys, let me tell you something. I just have to brag on our pastor here for a minute. Uh, I have led worship all over the country, and I've had the privilege of sitting under many, many pastors. A lot of pastors do a great job preaching the Word of God, but our pastor here, Pastor Mercer, preaches the Word of God ashamedly week after week after week. Let me tell you something. He is a man who seeks the face of God. He's a man, yes. He's a man who seeks the face of God. But eventually it comes back to us, doesn't it? Eventually it comes back to us to then walk through these doors and put into practice the things that we hear. Because he says here, in the book of James, he talks about how if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he's looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Let me ask you this morning. How many of you looked at yourself in a mirror this morning before you came here? Some of y'all need to look at yourself in the mirror before you come to church. All right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Let me ask you a follow-up question to that. How many of you remember what you look like? Yes, absolutely. We all do because it would be ludicrous for us to look at ourselves in a mirror this morning and then come here and forget what we look like, wouldn't it? It would be absolutely ludicrous. And that's what James is saying here in the text. He's saying that it's just as crazy for us to do that as it is for us to come in and hear the word of God preached week after week and walk through these doors as if nothing has changed. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Book of Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercies, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. That word worship there is a Greek word, latria, which literally means service. Worship is service. We serve him with our actions. And as Christians, I think, Many times we seem to be more known for what we are against than what we're for. I think many times as Christians we're known more for the things that we don't do than we are for the things that we do. And it's high time for us as believers to stand up and start being known for what we do for our Savior because he is so good, because of what he's done for us. Through Jesus Christ. There are plenty of opportunities for you to get involved here, plugged in in the, in, uh, the ministry here at Cross Life Church. Actually, here in your, your worship folders, there's a little form there, a place to serve. We've had it out there the past couple weeks, which is just giving you an opportunity to fill out a form and, and figure out a way you can get plugged in and get to serving. 
Plenty of opportunities. You've got uh, the worship arts ministry. Shameless plug. <laughs> if you play an instrument or you sing, we'd love to get you involved. We, we have uh, the band and everything that goes on here, but we also have a worship choir that sings here in this service once a month. We have a choir and orchestra at the 915 service that I'm so blessed to be able to lead. Maybe it's the worship arts ministry. Maybe it's not the worship arts. Maybe it's, uh, it's the greeter ministry. Guys, that's the easiest ministry you can get involved in here. If you're a new Christian or you're just not really sure how you can get involved to serve, man, get involved with the greeter ministry. Literally, all you have to do is smile. Smile with me just like this. You're on the team. <laughs> smile and say, Jesus loves you. Welcome to Cross Life. That's all you have to do. Be a part of the greeter ministry here at Cross Life. Maybe it's a small group leader. Maybe it's not leading the small group, but being a leader in the small group. Plenty of opportunities for you to serve here. But someone may say, and I, I understand this, someone may say this in this room right now, you know, uh, Tim, I'm just, I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God to show me where it is that I need to serve. I know that I'm supposed to serve, but I just, man, I'm just, I'm waiting on God. To you guys, I say, serve him while you wait. Do you hear that? Serve him while you wait. I think we have a video clip to illustrate what I'm talking about. just went to Flugelman and asked him for our Amigo costumes? No, no, Flugelman hates us right now. He's never going to give us our costumes. Lucky's right. This is the only way. Man, can't we be like these guys sometimes? Can't we be like these guys? We're just, oh man, we're just waiting. Oh, just waiting on God. We're just going to wait on God. He's going to tell us exactly what we need to do. He's going to give us some direction. Just waiting on God. And the whole time, God's like, look up here. <laughs> He's saying, look up here. He's saying, get to work. Serve me while you wait. Serve me while you wait. Look, I want you waiting on the Lord. I want you waiting on the Lord. The Bible says wait on the Lord. So I'm not downplaying that. Wait on the Lord, but don't ever find that he's waiting on you. 
Wait on the Lord, but don't ever find that he's waiting on you. So passionate followers of Jesus Christ seek him, they serve him. The last thing that a passionate, committed follower of Jesus Christ does that a casual Christian does not is share him with the world. Share him with the world. So blessed to be a part of a church that takes so seriously and is so intentional about sharing the gospel with our lost friends and our lost neighbors. That's why Pastor came up with the whole witness tree idea. Because he has a heart to seek the face of God and he has a heart to disciple you guys to seek the face of God. I love it. I love it. I know it's a difficult thing for us sometimes to open our mouths and speak and share the gospel with somebody. It takes courage. I was reading a blog this week about how sometimes we, uh, we have this, this warped mindset of courage. We think that courageous people live courageously 100% of the time. That's what we think, right? You think of a, a courageous person, you think, man, those people are, are living courageously 100% of the time. But this blog talked about how they did this study. They took people up to skydive, and as they were taking people up to skydive, they monitored their heart rate. And from the time they got in the car to head to the airport, the, the heart rate just was through the roof. It was just skyrocketed. So they get in, they put the parachute on, heart rate skyrocketed. Still way, way up there. They get to the edge of the, <laughs> of the, the window as they jump out, skyrocketed. But you know what that study found? that the second that they jumped out of the plane, their heart rate, as they're falling through the air, their heart rate dropped down to a normal heart rate. So the study talked about how you don't have to live courageously 100% of the time. It just takes 30 seconds of courage. 30 seconds of courage to make that phone call that you need to make. 30 seconds of courage to reach out to a family member who your relationship isn't right with. 30 seconds of courage, men, for us to apologize to our wives. More like a minute and a half, two minutes for me sometimes. <laughs> 30 seconds of courage to open our mouths and speak to a lost and dying world. But the good news is, is that we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us who takes over, right? I've got to be honest, I've Mary Beth and I were walking our dogs this last week, and uh, we came across some neighbors. We always talk to our neighbors, always, because we want to build a relationship with them. We want to eventually share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. We were walking along, and we had our two dogs, and I saw uh, our neighbors over there, and I was just thinking, you know, I just had in my spirit, God was telling me, you need to talk to these people about Jesus. You need to talk to them. Have y'all had that ever? If you know Jesus, you've got that. You've had that. He said, God, he said, Tim, you got to go talk to these people. And I've got to be honest, I got a little scared. I got a little scared because I was like, okay, how am I going to get into this conversation? Hey, hi, my name's Tim, here are my dogs, and I love Jesus. <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you get to that? And it took that 30 seconds of courage to walk up and say, I'm going to do this. And we opened our mouths, and we had the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with our lost friends. Let them know what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. 
but it takes courage. And we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Passionate followers of Jesus Christ can't keep silent about what God has done in their lives. They've got to open their mouths and speak. I love what it says in Acts about the disciples, Peter and John. They basically replied to the people and said, whether it's right in God's sight or your sight, you be the judge. But we cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and we've heard. The truth is we talk about what we love, right? Right? We talk about what we love. If you love college football, you're going to talk about college football. If you love dancing with the stars, you're going to talk about dancing with the stars. No one has to tell me to talk about my gorgeous wife up here and my two-year-old daughter, Willow. Nobody has to tell me. If you're around me long enough at all, I'm going to talk about them because I love them, because I care for them. The same is true in your life. You talk about what you love in your workplace, at the pool. You talk about what you love. My encouragement to you and my prayer for you is that you'll love Jesus more So you'll talk about him more. We talk about what we love. Jeremiah, the prophet, said this. He said, if I say I'm not going to mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Passionate followers of Jesus Christ can't hold in. They can't keep silent about what God has done in their lives They've got to open their mouths. It's just natural. They've got to do it. So in closing this morning, if we know, we understand that committed followers of Jesus Christ do these three things that casual Christians don't do. They seek him, they serve him, and they share him. My question for us this morning is this. What is it that's keeping us from doing these things? What is it that's keeping us from being doers of the word? What's keeping us being hearers of the word who hear the good news of Jesus Christ each week, practical steps from the word of God on how to be a Christian, and then we walk out the door and we forget who we are? I'd venture to say we get distracted by the things of this world. We get distracted. We walk through these doors. The first thing that's on our mind is where are we going for lunch? (laughs) Maybe you've already said that. And if you haven't doggone it, I just put it in your mind. (laughs) But we walk out these doors and the first thing that's on our minds is, man, we've only got a couple weeks left of summer. What are we going to do? Where are we going to eat? When Jesus says, come back to me. Come back to me. I want to ask the band to come up as I close with a story. Some of you may know, many of you probably don't know that... uh, I grew up in Geneva. Any Genevians in the house? Yes. Yes. Grew up in Geneva. Lived with my grandparents and my great-grandparent, who we affectionately called Gammy. Gammy loved being outside. Absolutely loved it. She loved the flowers. She loved gardening. She loved picking flowers. She loved watering the flowers. One of the things that Gammy used to always love to do is she would walk around Lake Geneva. It's like two miles every day, which is probably why she lived to be in her 90s. She walked every day, two miles. Every now and then, she could talk me into going with her. (laughs) Every now and then. But I remember it was one day, it was a a hot, humid summer day 
in July, much like the one this morning, much like every day in, in uh, Florida during the summer. We walked around and we finished the walk. We came into the driveway and I just remember wanting to beeline it for the, the house. Man, I wanted some of Grandmommy's ice cold crystal light lemonade. <laughs> I wanted to sit down on a couch and watch some cartoons. But I remember Gammy saying, you know, Tim, you got to come out here. Come back out here. We got we to gotta pull these weeds out of the flower bed. I said, Gammy, are you serious right now? <laughs> Don't you know it's 110 million degrees outside? <laughs> it's so hot. She said, yes, Tim, come on. We've got to come out here because we have this beautiful, beautiful flower bed. And we can't see the flowers because of all the weeds. She said, Tim, sometimes, sometimes we have to pull the weeds so we can see the flowers better. Sometimes we have to pull the weeds so we can see the flowers better. This morning, I wonder, I wonder this morning, what is it in your life? What are the weeds in your life that need to be pulled so that Jesus can be seen in your life? What are the weeds in your life that need to be pulled so that the people in your life can see Jesus better? Maybe it's anger. Maybe, maybe it's lust. Maybe it's uh, time management or apathy. I can't answer that question for you this morning. I can't, I can't answer that, but I pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal that to you. In this moment right now, that he would reveal that to you. Whatever it is this morning, I just want to let you know the altar's open. I want you to come. You can come now. Lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, you know what? I've got some weeds that need to be pulled. The truth is, you can't do it in and of yourself. You can't do it. I can't do it. But the power of God through his Holy Spirit... He can change you. He can make you the person you need to be. So right now, the altar's open. Come, come, lay it at the feet of Jesus. Whatever it is that you have in your heart, in your life that needs to be removed so that Jesus can be seen better, come now. Come now. Altar's open. Come. I'm going to ask the ministers to come forward if you need to just come and pray with somebody this morning. Ministers are up here coming up forward. You can pray with them. But maybe this morning you're here and you're saying, you know, Tim, I can't be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ because I don't know Jesus Christ. I don't have that relationship with him. I want you to know that this morning you can give your life to him. You can receive him and you can know joy and peace and life and hope that you've never experienced before in your entire life that only he can give. If that's you this morning, I just, I just want to break it down for you. Sometimes we have the tendency to overcomplicate the gospel. And you come in here and you may hear words like saved and gospel and born again, and you're like, I don't even know what in the world's going on. So I just want to simplify it. This is the gospel. This is the good news. We all do bad things. Every single one of us, we do bad things. And the bad things that we do separate us from a holy God, from a perfect God. That's bad news because 
That means every single one of us in this room right now deserves a very real devil's hell separated from God. But the good news is this, that God loved you so very much that he sent Jesus Christ, his perfect one and only son, to die and to be raised to life again on the third day so that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you haven't made that decision in your life, I want to give you an opportunity right now. I'm going to pray a prayer. You can repeat after me, but I, I want you to know there's nothing magical in these words. I'm not going to sprinkle fairy dust and all of a sudden, poof, you're saved. That's not how it works. But this morning, as I pray this prayer, if you mean the words, God will come into your life. He'll change you. He'll save you. He'll make you the person that you need to be. And he'll give you life everlasting, not just life here on earth, but life for all of eternity with him. If that's your decision, would you pray with me? With every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I do bad things. God, I confess those sins to you right now. Lord, I ask you to come into my life to change me. I ask you to come make me the person that I need to be. I give my heart to you. I give my life to you and I receive this free gift that you offer to me right now. Lord, I want to live my life for you, so make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen.